Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. If you want more intimacy in your marriage, that is actually going to come down to your attention. If you want to produce more meaningful work in the world, that's going to have something to do with your attention also. If you want to be more present to the people that mean the most to you in your life, you better get this attention topic correct. Even if you want to grow in your relationship with God, I don't think you will be able to do that without paying attention to what you're giving your attention to. I know that you want things like hope and peace and joy, but I also know that what you give your attention to will determine whether you have things like hope and peace and joy. It sounds easy, right? I mean, why spend five weeks talking about attention if all I need to tell you to do and tell myself to do is give your attention to the things that matter most, right? Mic drop, I can walk out of here, you can go back to your brunch or whatever it is that you're doing. But there's a reason we've got to talk about this. There's a reason we have to have the conversation about attention. Here, here's why. There are so many things and so many people vying for your attention, in the world that we live in today, you have more information in your pockets than they would have had for centuries at a time in a prior world. Right now, there are multiple industries making billions of dollars by trying to get us off focus from what we should be focused on. Some of you work for those industries. I'm not judging you just as a person and as a church. I'm just trying to tell us there are people whose entire job it is to come up with things, algorithms, marketing strategies, to get us off of the thing that we need to be focusing on. And the problem with all of this is our default now is to have attention that is divided. Attention that is divided. What's the problem with that, though? Here's the problem with divided attention. Divided attention leads to a fragmented life. Divided attention leads to a fragmented life. This is you when your child is trying to tell you about her day at school and yet a text message pulls you away. This is you whenever you're trying to do deep work on a project that's going to take enormous amounts of focus and energy and time, yet your notifications being on, ping after ping after ping, interruption after interruption after interruption, and now your attention is divided, which leads to less than your best in every category of life. Have you ever been in that moment where you're trying to pray, but you can't even focus on praying 
Because of the conflict at work yesterday, you are actually constantly reloading your Gmail to see, did the person I upset yesterday, did they get over it, or are they still mad? This is happening when you have an evening alone with your spouse, but your FOMO has you actually scrolling through Instagram so that, trust me, guys and girls, you are absolutely missing what it is that matters most. Today, we've got to get into this conversation, and I think the best place to start is a moment that Jesus had with two women. The names of these two women are Martha and Mary. They also happen to have a brother whose name is Lazarus. Yes, that exact same Lazarus that you're thinking of. If you have a Bible on you, you've got it in the Epic Church app, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. You know, if you were in the house, I would ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to do that today, but Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I want to read this text to you. I want you to see this compelling moment, and I want you to understand that what God is trying to do, I think, for us collectively as Epic Church, for me as an individual, for you as an individual. He's trying to arrest our attention. He's trying to um, keep us from living the fragmented lives that so many of us are living right now. Here's the text in Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. If we aren't careful, we will assume that we're being taught today from Jesus that cooking and cleaning and preparation and serving, that these are always bad things, and that all we're supposed to do is just sit and listen to God. But if you look at the rest of Scripture, there's no way you would walk away from that conclusion. I don't think this is a teaching about serving God being bad and listening to God always being the right thing. I do believe that Jesus is trying to teach us something about how attention works. And I'm calling this message one thing or many. One thing or many. When Luke says that Martha was distracted, the literal Greek word means actually to be drawn from around just to be drawn from around, or to be drawn here and there, or it can mean to be overly occupied. Let me ask you a question as you think about that word that gets translated distracted, meaning to draw from around, or to draw here and there, or to be overly occupied. Here's my question for you. Do you spend most of your days overly occupied? Do you spend most of your days overly occupied? occupied. I know some of you are thinking, Ben, I didn't know there were any other choices. Ben, I didn't know that I had another option. Well, you would be in good company with Martha. She thought based on everything that she knew to be true, there were no other options than to be frantic, to be frenzied, to be divided, to be distracted, to be working hard. And she comes to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. 
when she's asking that question, don't you care that Mary has left me, it could be possible that Mary was working alongside Martha until the moment Jesus entered the home. And then she's like, I need to see what's up with Jesus. It could also be likely that as Jesus entered the home, Mary is still working alongside Martha. But at some point in that time, Jesus started teaching. And my assumption is, my understanding is that Mary, while she was doing the preparations, heard Jesus began, began teaching and she thought, if he's teaching, I need to listen. If he's speaking about something that matters, I need to make sure that I get in on it. Martha had assumptions about where their attention needed to be. Martha completely assumed that if Jesus is coming for dinner, then we need to be working and getting ready for him. And so Martha tries to get Jesus to endorse her choice. Jesus, tell her, like, you know what I know. Attention's needed to serve you. Tell her to do what I'm doing. She tries to get Jesus to endorse her choice, but Jesus doesn't endorse her choice. Jesus doesn't say, Martha, you're right. Mary, get in the kitchen. Instead, not only does he not endorse Martha's choice, he endorses Mary's decision. And here's what he says. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now think about that verb, distracted. That verb literally means to draw away or to be drawn away. Martha is trying to get Jesus to tell Mary to draw herself away from this moment with Jesus. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, Martha, you allowed yourself to be drawn away. I'm not going to allow Mary to be drawn away. She's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I will not get her divided. I don't want her attention distracted. I am not going to ask her to leave this moment. I'm saying something important, and she wants to listen, and I think she needs to listen. And when you see this word worry, Jesus says back to Martha, you are worried and upset. You're worried. Now, when you see the word worried that's translated in our English Bibles, you just think he's talking about anxiety, and and certainly he's getting at that. But this word that gets translated worried simply means divided or distracted. That Martha was divided. She was drawn from around. She, She was drawn here and she was drawn there. She was in a hurry. She was overly occupied. Now, just imagine this with me. Imagine this with me. What did Jesus say that Martha never heard? What did Jesus say that Martha never heard? What nugget did he unearth? What treasure did he dispense? What words came out of his mouth that Martha literally never, ever heard? And if we ask the question for Martha, we owe it to ourselves to ask it to ourselves. Here's the question for you. What could Jesus be saying to you that you aren't hearing? What could Jesus be saying to me that I'm not hearing? You see, we think a lot of times, I wonder why does God never speak? And maybe it's that God is asking the question, Ben, or to you, your name, I'm speaking. Tell me, why do you not listen? Why are you so divided? Why are you so distracted? What could Jesus be saying to you and me that we aren't hearing? Now, one of my discoveries in preparing for this attention series that's fascinated me is to see the correlation between attention and anxiety. The correlation between attention and anxiety. If I asked you today, hey, tell me why you can't stay focused, 
few of us in the room would say, it's because I'm so anxious. We might say, which is also true, I have so many things coming at me. My boss has demands on me. My kids are not sleeping. The church makes me volunteer with all of my time. I just have too many things to do. But Jesus was constantly telling people that your attention and your anxiety are actually closely related. Listen to what he says to Martha. He says, you're worried because you're distracted. And it's an interesting cycle. So, so Martha gets distracted, which causes anxiety, and then her anxiety keeps her from being able to pay attention. Notice the cycle. We've all been in it, by the way. Once Jesus starts teaching this, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm distracted, which brings me anxiety, and my anxiety keeps me further from being able to pay attention. So it's just this endless cycle, distraction, division, anxiety, distraction, division, anxiety. When Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he gets to this point where he says, you don't have to be worried. God takes care of the fields. He's going to take care of you. And then Jesus brings this correlation together in verses 32 and 33 when he says these words. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do you see the correlation? He's saying the pagans. This isn't a derogatory term. These These are people who aren't trying to center their lives around God. They're not worshiping the one true God. He's like, you know, people who don't have God in their lives, they are running here and there. So just imagine with me, you can't see this, but imagine with me that all of these other things that Jesus mentions, just imagine they're scattered in front of me. And what he's saying to them is that you know the pagans run after all these things, but you know what this is like, don't you? If you run after this thing, then you're like, oh, there's that thing over there. And then there's this thing. He says they're running after all these things. And that's why they're anxious, because their attention is divided, because you can't be fully present to this thing and be fully present to that thing. So Jesus says what? But you do it differently. They're going everywhere. They're drawn here and drawn there. They're drawn from around. They're overly occupied going after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows what you what? He knows what you need. Remember this moment, Jesus tells Martha, Mary has chosen what is needed. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, God knows what you need, so what do we do? So we seek first, so we give our attention first, so we don't run here and there. We just laser in on who God is, and then we let God take care of all of the things that are out and around there. That's the whole point. Now notice the progression from Jesus to Martha. Using my hands, I will show you the funnel that I think Jesus creates about how our attention needs to start working and how it's probably working for most of us. He says to Martha, and he may be saying to you today, he says, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Then he says, only few things are needed. He's like, no, 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 actually not even few. I mean, get it from many to few. That's a good, some of you, that's your step today. Anybody know that, that, hey, I can't get from many to one, but I can get from many to few? So that may be your step, but he goes, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Um, Only few things are needed. And then it's like he's still thinking. He's like, you know what? You can't multitask. Only one thing. Many, few, one. If we aren't careful, we will think that this teaching on attention is just a practical thing, but attention is everything. In fact, Mark Buchanan, in his wonderful book called The Rest of God, he writes this. He says, maybe this is what God requires most from us, our attention. 
Maybe that's what God wants most from us, our attention. Some of you are like, if I ask the question today, what does God want from you? There are a lot of correct answers. He wants my worship. He does. He wants you to love him with all your heart. He does. He wants you to be a good mom, a good dad. He, he wants our church to make a difference here in San Francisco. But what if none of those other things, guys, what if none of those things are possible if we don't give him our attention? Maybe that's where we start. We seek first. We don't run after all these things. We seek the God who knows how to give us what it is that we need. But this is a deeply spiritual problem. In fact, in the next few moments, I want to advocate that if you can't get, give any of your attention to God, it's probably absurd to assume that you're a Christian or that you can ever grow spiritually at least. In fact, I'll say it this way. You know, our vision is to orient our entire lives around Jesus. So here's what I want to say, what that has to do with attention. Whether or not we orient our entire lives around Jesus will depend on what we do with our attention. Whether this happens, whether we actually achieve the vision that we're after collectively at Epic that we want for your life, whether you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ will come down in large measure to what it is you do with your attention. One day, Jesus told a story that's referred to as the parable of the sower. And when Jesus told parables, everything in the parable represented something in reality. So in this parable, the sower is God, the seed is the word of God that gets scattered, and there are four different kinds of soil that represent our different kinds of hearts as humans. And what Jesus is doing in this parable is he's saying there are certain reasons why people actually don't come to faith in Jesus fully. There are certain reasons why you might sit in a church service like this and still have nothing to do with Jesus really. And in Mark 4, 18 and 19, Jesus gives one of the reasons and it has everything to do with our topic for today. In Mark 4, 18 and 19, Jesus said, still others like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, so they're in church, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now imagine that. This isn't a pagan. This isn't a person who never opens the Bible. This isn't a person who doesn't go to small group or never attends church. These are people that are getting some input from the word of God, some bit of worship, some bit of even biblical community. They're getting this input, and yet the word of God bears no fruit in their lives because they become so distracted that it doesn't take root. And if it doesn't take root, then there's nothing there, at least in the long run. Do you hear what chokes the word of God out? It's crazy. A desire for other things, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. Let me just urge you, if you think this attention series, if you think the attention topic that we're running after today, if you think it's just practical, I want you to know that our eternity will have something to do with what we did with our attention. A great new book came out just a few months ago called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And here's one of the things he says in that book. He says, because what you give your attention to is the person you become. And if we lose our capacity to pay attention to God for long or even short lengths of time, who knows who we'll become? In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. We've talked about this at other times here at Epic, that sometimes if I said to you, or you asked me, tell me, what is your life all about? 
My guess is you would respond, Ben, my life is about, and then you'll give me some big vision or some big mission you're after in life. My life is about loving God and making the world a better place. My life is about being a very present parent. My, my life is about doing meaningful work that, that, that helps people in San Francisco and all over the world. And we'd say, here's what my life is about. But then if I ask you, tell me, what have you been doing with your attention? Or you ask me, what have I been doing with my attention? Oftentimes there's a disconnect. Would you agree? Like, like no one would say, my life is about spending 3.4 hours on Instagram every day. Anybody, that's the life that you're going after? But that's what you're doing with your attention. Anyone would say that my, 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 my vision in life is to be a divided parent when my kids are trying to talk to me. Now, having multiple kids, sometimes that makes it hard. But if we're just talking about one child here, like that, that's not your vision. Your vision, I assume, is to give them your full attention. I don't think anyone that I asked that question to would say today, Ben, my, my, my vision of my life is, is to give a, a, like a one hundredth of my heart, mind, and life to God and, and, and then give a hundredth to 99 other things. I don't think anyone would say, Ben, that's my vision. And yet, you guys, how many of us are living in that reality today? How many times am I not hearing what my wife or my kids are saying because I'm so distracted? How often am I missing out on God's vision for the future of our church because I'm so inundated with things that just don't mean that much? How, how often am I not even taking space to pray between meetings or when I'm walking from place to place because I think I've got to figure out what's next or what am I missing out on? What we do with our attention is going to determine the person we become. And as Comer writes, your life one day will be seen as nothing more than the sum of what you did with your attention. I want to close my message over the next few minutes by giving you some applications. I'm going to get to some practical helps in just a moment, but let me give you a prayer that I find helpful on this topic out of Psalm 86. In Psalm 86, verse 11 and 12, this is a prayer that I think we should just start praying on a daily basis. I think we as a church should start praying for this. I think it's good for you and your significant other to pray this, to pray this as a family. In Psalm chapter 86, verse 11 and 12, Here's what David prays. He says this, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me, uh, what's that word? Undivided heart that I may fear your name. Then here's what will happen. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. I love this. He's like, teach me your way. And you can't learn the ways of God if your attention is drawn here and there. He says, teach me your way, then I will rely on your faithfulness. And then I love this prayer. Let's make this our prayer. God, give me an undivided heart. God, give me an undivided heart. God, I have tried to chase all of these things. I've tried to give my attention and affection and worship and valuing to all of these different things. But God, would you give me an undivided heart? My heart has been fragmented. My, my mind has been in pieces as well. But God, would you give me an intact heart? And if you do, here's verse 12. If you do that, then I will be able to praise you with all my heart. My heart's not going to be after this thing and that thing and scattered here and there. I'm not going to miss what matters most. God, give me an undivided heart. And if you give me an undivided heart, I promise to praise you with that whole heart. Let me give you some other practical things that have been helping me. Some of these I've been doing for years, some of them just in 2020. Here's the first thing I would encourage you to do practically. Start your day with silence, not with your phone. 
not with the news. In fact, I advocate that the only noise you should hear when you first get up in the morning after your alarm is the coffee pot. Light a candle. Remind yourself that you aren't alone. Remind yourself that while you were sleeping, God was still awake and he is present. And all he's wanting us to do is, I think, begin our day with some awareness of his presence. And then just ask him to speak. Your mind might go here and there, but I promise you it won't do that as much as it does whenever you grab your email or your Instagram or your news channel or whatever it is that you typically go to in the mornings. And after you spend some time in silence, go to the scripture. Maybe you just read a chapter, and then I want to encourage you from that chapter, hone in on a verse or a set of verses, and then maybe just hone in on a phrase. For me, this is like real application for my life this week. I was in that Psalm 27 that we started this gathering with, and verse 3 just captured my attention. It says, though an army besiege me, though war breaks out against me, my heart will not fear, and even then I will, I will be confident. And so I, I, I took that verse out of that whole section. I took that verse, and then I even focused in on that phrase, even then I will be confident. Even then I'll be confident. Ben, you may not know where your kids are going to go to college or how you're going to pay for it. Even then I'll be confident. Ben, you don't know what's going to happen with this coronavirus. Even then I will be confident. Ben, you don't know if, what the staff team might look like a year from now. Even then I will be confident. Uh, God, I don't know that I can be the kind of person to lead our church in the future, but if this is what you've called me, even when everything looks like, oh, this is going to be scary, even then I will be confident. And you just take that word with you into the day and you just keep coming back to it. One writer that I've been reading about solitude, she says whenever she starts that silent time in the day, she just says this, and this is a great one that all of us can do. She just says, Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. And as I think about Mary's posture, like it really matches that idea. Lord, here I am. If you want to speak, I'm ready. I'm ready. Some other thoughts. We need to limit our social media. If it's helping your anxiety and bringing you more peace, awesome. You just turn it up a notch. For the rest of us, it doesn't have that effect. We need to do that. We need to be able to use do not disturb on our phones. My hack for that is whenever I'm engaged in a spiritual practice or I'm trying to do the kind of deep work, writing talks like the one I'm giving right now, um, I go into do not disturb. I have all of my kids and my wife on my favorites list as well as the staff team that reports to me. And so if something urgent needs to be communicated, it will come from one of those sources. If not, I will get to that after my deep work Focus time is over. Let's make sure and do that. Another thing, let's stop filling our margins we have throughout the day and let's start receiving those margins with, with gift, as a gift. Like we, when I'm walking from place to place, I don't have to be on my phone. By the way, if anybody ever ran into a tree besides me when you were on your phone crossing a street, hopefully not. It's true. Don't, don't fill that time. Use that time to pray. Use that time to... Breathe deeply. Let God recharge you. I don't know what work you're doing, but in my work, I mean, I have to lead all of these crazy people at Epic Church. I need a little breather that restores me quite often throughout, throughout the day. And, and then here's a huge one just to get us started. Stop multitasking. You know, because that first part of the word is multi, we think we're multiplying something. We're not multiplying anything when we multitask. We're dividing. So I want to encourage you to do this. Rather than saying from now on, I'm, a great, I'm great at multitasking, here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, I'm great at dividing my attention. And then ask yourself, do I really want to become great at being distracted and dividing my attention? There's a lot going on in our world today. But your worry, it's not just an issue because, oh, there's a lot of things happening. Jesus says it has something to do with where we give our attention. 
Christians for centuries have had trials much worse than what you and I are facing today. And I'm not making light of it, and God's not making light of it. Persecution, martyrdom, it's happening in other places in the world today. And today I'm just reminded what a privilege it is that we get to come in this space and gather on a weekly basis. And even today, while we're not here, we actually have the technology so that we can worship as a community that is scattered. But what we do with our attention is going to determine so much about us as a church. It's going to determine so much about you. And I'm just begging you, don't miss what God says is most important. Maybe to you, like he said to Martha that day, he would just say this. Hey, I know there's a lot going on, but what I see in you is you are worried and you're upset about many things. Let's get that many down to few. And then let's get that few down to one. Not because God only cares about one thing, but he knows how he created us and how we thrive most. And it's this, we can only give our attention to one thing at a time. And if he's speaking to you about, oh my gosh, your distraction is keeping you from spiritual life and your distraction is keeping you from peace, may it mean enough to you that you and I do whatever it is we have to do to hear God, to give him our attention, and to be present to him and to the people that he's placed in our lives. We're going to continue walking through this the next four weeks. I believe God's going to take us on a journey from distraction to attention, from worry to peace, from fear to faith. Let's make a commitment to not miss what matters most. Let me pray for you. God, thank you that you are wanting to arrest our attention even with this teaching series that's called Can I Have Your Attention? And God, maybe the author is correct that what you want most from us, perhaps, is our attention because without our attention, we can't worship you. Without our attention, we can't love people well in our city. God, without our attention being in the right place, we won't give our best as a church. God, I pray for every person watching this right now. If, if literally this distraction, this division, this worry is keeping them from you, would you help them to see it? And would you give them the grace and the courage to determine and declare that I, I'm not going to miss out. I'm, I'm not going to be Martha with great excuses, asking Jesus to endorse me being overly occupied. If he says it's possible, then I want to have my attention on him and the things that he's called me to make matter most. God, would you do a work in us? If we're going to orient our entire lives around you, Jesus, we, we've got to do something with our attention. And most of us would say we've got to do something different than what we've been doing. God, you know the competing forces. You know the industries that come against this idea. God, you know the information overload. God, you know the temptation. God, you know the dopamine hit that we're so prone to, to ask for again and again and again and again, and yet we're missing what matters the most. Would you do a work even in these moments as we begin to understand the weight of our attention? In Jesus' name, amen. Wherever you are, I just want to encourage you to respond. Zach's going to do this song that we love around here called Home. And just metaphorically, the idea is that like we're coming home. Like we, Mary in that moment, she decided she wouldn't stay away. She would be right there. And could we minimize everything that's competing for our attention in this moment? And just hear God's invitation. Come on home. Let's sing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. 
If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the EpicSF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.